We are getting into this Feast of Tabernacles teaching. This is the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the feast. And um, this particular section, talking about branches, and we get to dive into Revelation. Everybody's favorite favorite topic, questions sure. to ask and all of that. So that was one of the things that uh, you, you got me hooked on when we were talking about it the other day. said, we're going to look into eternity. I was like, okay. I'm good. I'm sold. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times the reason that these feasts can be a little confusing is you've never been taught about them. They're Old Testament things. It's like, how does this apply to me? <laughs> so, but as it happens, Feast of Tabernacles, because it was the feast, was kind of a big deal in the time of Jesus. So he all he attended all of the feasts, of course, throughout his life here on Earth, and. And, of course, he is the high priest in the tabernacle in heaven, so he is kind of the one uh, causing all the feasts to function and fulfilling them all, too. So, obviously, Jesus is the point of all of it. So, But let's flip to the New Testament for a moment, because the greatest ever Feast of Tabernacles happened while Jesus was walking the earth. It was during his third year of ministry. He'd been in Jerusalem for a few months before, and he healed the paralytic by the pool on the Sabbath. You remember that one? The Pharisee is very unhappy with that way. Mm -hmm. He uh, faced a great deal of backlash from the Jewish leaders. He went on back to Galilee for some months to teach and continued facing a lot of attacks from the Jewish leaders. While he was there, John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus grieved deeply for that. Then he fed the 5,000, walked on water, taught the crowds that he was the bread of life. We're told that from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him because they're just thoroughly confused. So he's <laughs> facing leaders that want him dead, followers that stop following, and then we arrive at the fall feasts. So I'll pick it up in John 7. After this, Yeshua traveled around in, in the Galilee, intentionally avoiding Judea because the Judeans were out to kill him. But the festival of Sukkot in Judea was near. His brothers tried to convince him to go to the feast, but he doesn't travel with them. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deserves he uh, deceives the people, mm. but no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? They began to argue, is he the Messiah? And Jesus said, I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true, and you do not know him. <laughs> how to win friends and influence people. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. And this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. One of the neat things of the Feast of Tabernacles, you'll watch it all the way through and read it in scriptures and Old Testament and New. You'll, you'll notice the interesting thing that these profound things happen, but no one can harm you. Mm. Absolutely secure. Now, it's not really clear in English what caused them to try to arrest him, because English Bibles use the Greek word, therefore, I am, which is uh, iemi. I exist, I am. That's the, that's the I am word. In Hebrew, it's ayeheh, and it's how God describes his name. When God appeared to Israel on Mount Sinai, the first three words he said were, Anahi, Yehovah, Elohecha. I am Yehovah, your God. Exodus 20, verse 2. The fact that God describes himself as I am has created one of the more fascinating qualities of the Hebrew language. You don't have to learn the whole thing. There's one little thing you can learn about Hebrew. It's just fun. Only God is in the present tense. So 
You can't say in Hebrew, I am hungry. You have to say, I hungry. <laughs> See, hmm. You would be good with your confused uh, yeah, grammar yeah. today. They don't say that this, that the table is big. They say that table big. They can't say is. They can say, I was hungry or I will be hungry, but not I am hungry. Interesting. There, There's no is or am in Hebrew. The present tense of the verb to be is reserved for use by God alone. Wow. Only God can say, I am. God is the central focus of the language. So, wow. so we don't get that when Jesus says uh, what he says there. But uh, he said, uh, because I am from him and he sent me. The minute he says that in English, we go, uh, I don't get it. Right. But in Hebrew, they try to kill him because he used... Verbiage. What only God can use. So if you ever wonder, did he really claim to be God? Actually, Every single time. <laughs> just by the way saying those words. Yep, that's it. So, But they couldn't arrest him. And it seems like they tried throughout the festival during Yom Kippur. I told you that the events of the book of Revelation take place during the fall feast. When you get to Revelation chapter 7, you've arrived at the Feast of Tabernacles. Here's what it says. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding, of all things, palm branches in their hands. What are they doing in heaven with Why palm branches? These branches? Well, there's a lot going on during this feast, including bringing gifts. Besides your gifts, you bring two things to Sukkot. A citron in your left hand and a lulav, a, a palm branch, two myrtle branches, and two willow branches all bound together. All right? So you've got this little citron and this branches in your hands. On the seventh day, called the Hoshana Rabbah, the great Hosanna, actually the eighth day, willow branches were beaten against the pavement next to the great altar to symbolize the casting away of the nation's sins. So at this time, the people waved their, their palm branches while the Levites chanted the Hallel, that's the Psalms 113 through 18, 118. For those who knew him and loved him, the irony of the Feast of Tabernacles would have been hard to miss. Jesus arrived quietly as the people shouted the words of the Psalm. The voice announcing the coming of the Messiah is heard. Hmm. And you wonder why did he come at that particular time? The ding even the name of his special feast day, Hoshana Rabbah, is all about Yeshua, Jesus. Hoshana joins two words together. Hosha, which means save us, and Na, which means now. But it means it in a very emotional, pleading way. It comes from the last Hallel, Psalm 118, save now, I pray, O Yehovah. Hosha is part of Yeshua's name. The name of Jesus, which means Yehovah is salvation. So at the noisy celebration of the feast, the priests are trying are to find a way to arrest Yeshua, Jesus, but they can't imagine and can't seem to accomplish it. Meanwhile, the people are trying to decide if he really is the Messiah, and all of them are shouting some variation of his name, Yeshua, save us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the irony is just really, really funny. <laughs> and for it. the entire week, they're doing this. And they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yehovah. And Yeshua, or Yehoshua, as it was originally spelled, literally was the joining together of Hosha and Yehovah, which means Yehovah is salvation, Yehoshua, mm -hmm. Jesus. The great Hosanna, or Hoshana, which cried out Yeshua, Jesus, literally by his name, was also sung during the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The same Hallel Psalms they sang at the feast were sung by the crowds again the next spring on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate. 
Jesus would recite Psalm 118 during the Last Supper, and he'd hear it echoing over and over while he hung on the cross as, he was, as, was, as it was chanted by the priest as they slaughtered hundreds of thousands of lambs. And then, of course, he hung on the cross. Both feasts are connected by this Hoshana pleading to be rescued. In Exodus 3.7, Jehovah said, I have seen how my people are being oppressed in Egypt and heard their cry for release from their slave masters because I know their pain. 1,500 years later, the same continued cry of the people caused Yeshua to lay down his glory, to put on flesh, and come to deliver his people. In John 10, 14 through 16, it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in as well, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. In fact, the words of Psalm 118 would come true that next spring of Passover, and it's worthy of hearing the words. This is the gate of Jehovah, through which the righteous shall enter. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Mm. This was Jehovah's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Jehovah. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Oh, give thanks to Jehovah, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. The little things about the feast, the Hebrew parts of the feast that we go, oh, <laughs> and just kind of blow your mind. So there you go.